Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into the top 10 February-born actors in today's statistics episode. We reap the wind and the sky when the sun is high. We sail the length of the seas on the ocean breeze. At night we name every star. We know where we are. We know who we are, who we are. Yes, it is time once more for a top 10 actors list, uh, this time for February. And this is the last month that I have left to do uh, before we start to overlap with uh, when I started, which is going to be really exciting. I'm, I'm looking forward to finally um, seeing if there's seeing how changes have happened. And I know there will be because the format in which I have uh, tracked these numbers has changed in the last year. So there's definitely going to be some significant changes going forward. But before we get to that, we have this month's top 10. And uh, that's Let's do this, shall we? You know, first, before we jump into it, a couple of the names that didn't quite make the list, uh, but were teetering on making it, including, but not limited to, Timothy Spall, uh, Edwin Maxwell, Warwick Davis, Bonnie Wright, Jennifer Jason Lee, Simon Pegg, Jack Lemon, Laura Dern, Anthony Daniels, Kelly McDonald. Uh, Benicio Del Toro, Edward James Olmos, Jeff Daniels, Emily Blunt, Lily Taylor, Tom Hiddleston, Noah Emmerich, Mia Farrow, Pete Postlewaite, Elizabeth Banks, Rosita Jones, Ellen Page. A lot of these people currently in the top 500 uh, on my list, but that is not good enough to be in the top 10 for February alone. So... We will take a look and see just who did make it. Uh, so let's cue the top 10 music. At number 10, with 12 film credits to their name, born February 28th, 1923, and passing in uh, on December 24th, 2012, at the age of 89, from New York, born in New York, with an average film rating of 74.08, uh, a, a film value of 11, and a score of 74.5, ranked 89th overall and 10th in February, is Charles Durning. Charles Durning. Now, this is an older gentleman uh, who... Uh, you may or may not be familiar with the name. Uh, you're probably more familiar with the face. Uh, but a couple of the movies that this uh, this talented actor, this veteran, has been in include Scarface, Oh Brother Where Art Thou, Dog Day Afternoon, The Sting, Tootsie, The Muppet Movie, The Hudsucker Proxy, Dick Tracy, Spy Hard, uh, and then a couple of the others that I've seen include State in Maine, which is quite good, Home for the Holidays, which I like, and uh, Jerry and Tom is fine. It's old, but it's it's fine. And uh, that's it. I've only seen 12. Not a ton. Not a huge sample size, but he's been in some pretty great ones. Uh, the Sting is by far my favorite of the films he's been in. I love The Sting. I think it's just absolutely brilliant and beautiful to look at and uh, just truly an enjoyable and fun movie 
And uh, his other film of the two rated uh, in the 90 tier is Scarface, which, I don't know, it's it's not a film that has really aged well, in my opinion, at least in my mind, rather. Uh, I'm sure it has aged fine. Like, I still think it's a solid movie today. But since I've seen it, I don't know that my opinion on it has really... Uh, it definitely hasn't improved. It may not have even stagnated. It might have dipped down. I'm not sure. It might be due for a revisit in the coming future. Uh, but at the moment, it's kind of just... I don't know. It's still very, very good. I still think it's a very, very good movie. Uh, so as far as these movies are, are concerned, you know, I haven't seen... I guess the most recent movie of his that I've seen is probably Home for the Holidays. I watched that in January, uh, and that's fine. Like it's 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 enjoyable for what it is, but it doesn't actually. It's not great for it or any reason. So I think in likelihood it actually dropped his score down just a touch, not super significantly, as I gave it a score of fifty six. Um, so it probably had a negligible effect on his overall score, and potentially his rating. But uh, to show, just to give you an example, like he's ranked 89th overall, top 100. That's no laughing matter. And the difference between Durning and the 11th rated person in February, which is Timothy Spall, is 0.35 points. Uh, so not very big of a difference, you know, he he was teetering on the edge, you know, one bad movie his way, a good movie for Timothy Spall, and uh, could be talking about somebody different. Now, Charles Durning, as an actor, I think is really good. He He's definitely, you know, he, you know, if you read his kind of bio on Letterboxd, uh, it tells you about how he wasn't really, he, he was kind of old, really, when he started acting. And he's kind of been typecast into these sort of police chief sort of roles. He's he's a very... He has a presence about him that he really commands the screen when he's there. You know, he's the kind of person that, like, really looks good with in front of a bullhorn sort of a thing. And he, he never really got a chance that I'm aware of. And again, I've only seen 12 of his movies out of, according to Letterboxd, 123 but I've never really had a, gotten to see him as like a lead. He's a great supporting actor, but I don't know that he's ever really been a lead actor. And, you know, scrolling through these movies and looking at all the posters, none of these look like he's the main character that I can see. Which, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. I think there's just, I mean, there's just as much of a chance that he he probably couldn't, shoulder the whole weight of a movie on his own uh, without somebody else kind of uh, bearing most of the load which might be you know kind of why he's a supporting actor or could be some other reason I'm not entirely sure but Durning to like for pushing further along that thread isn't the kind of person that I'm like looking out for uh, I'm always happy to see him I always like him in a movie but I'm not really interested in sort of following his filmography. I'm not seeking out movies because he is in them. And I, I, I just, there's not enough, I don't know, he doesn't, 
I guess I guess my I guess my, he he plays his supporting characters well, but I kind of feel like he doesn't have a great sense of of what's the, what's the term I'm looking for um, um, nuance to his characters. I think he he hits the note that he needs to hit. And he does a great job with it, and he's been fortunate to be in some pretty fantastic films, but I don't see I don't see him generating the layers of some of the more well-known and and more and better uh, character and supporting actors going so uh, Charles Durning uh, sneaking his way into the top 10 at number 10 and 89th overall Uh, some of the films I haven't seen of his that are popular on Letterboxd include George Clooney's One Fine Day from 1996 uh, 1972's Sisters, 1978's The Fury, 1979's When a Stranger Calls, 1970's Hi Mom, and 1974's The Front Page. So a lot of 70s movies that he's been in. Moving on to number nine. Born in the UK, February 5th, 1948. Uh, so having just turned 70. Man. I guess that, no, I guess that's right, uh, 70. With 26 film credits to their name and an average film rating of 65.121, one Oscar nomination that I've seen and a value of 15 for an overall score of 75.46, they are ranked 79th overall, and that is Tom Wilkinson. Tom Wilkinson, who much like Charles Durning, plays generally a supporting actor, character actor. Uh, He has actually been nominated for two Oscars. I have not seen the first one. Um, The first one comes from his film, from the film In the Bedroom from 2001. Uh, But I have seen the other, which is for Michael Clayton. He was nominated for his performance of Michael Clayton in 2007. Some of the films this guy's been in of the 26 I've seen include Grand Budapest Hotel, Eternal Sunshine, Batman Begins, Ghost Protocol, Selma, The Lone Ranger, Rush Hour, Shakespeare in Love, Michael Clayton, The Patriot, Sense and Sensibility, In the Name of the Father, The Exorcism of Emily Rose, The Full Monty, Best Exotic Marigold Hotel. Um, Just recently in 2016, he was in Denial, uh, 2010's The Debt, uh, let's see here. 2001's Black Knight also makes the list. 2009's The Gruffalo, a short animated film that's quite good. Uh, as well as 2011's The Gruffalo's Child. And and many, many more. He, pretty prolific. I've seen 26 of, of, of Letterboxd's 99 credits that he's given, so 26%. And for my money... Uh, the best film he's been in is *The Turtle Sunshine*, but I would be remiss if I didn't kind of lump that in with some of the other great films he's been in, including *Grand Budapest*, *Sense and Sensibility*, and *Batman Begins*. *Batman Begins* definitely the film I most recognize him from, having seen it so often as um, uh, *Carbine*, *Falcone*, *Carmine*, *Falcone*. Uh, he's he's just great in Batman Begins, and he's great in pretty much everything. He's 
again, much like Charles Durning, uh, but maybe to a lesser degree, he generally finds himself res um, reserved to the supporting roles and uh, rarely is able to exceed that uh, that position. I think, you know, looking down here, none of these films seem to be leading roles for Tom Wilkinson, but he definitely has the chops and has the capabilities to pull something like that off. I think he, far more than Durning, has proven himself in the films I've seen that he can carry a movie on his own. He he definitely definitely has that the 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 range, the nuance, the subtlety, the dimensions to his performances. And uh, it's why we've seen, well, what, for one reason, it's why I've seen him in so many more films. Now, to be grant, granted, there are some bad ones in here. The Lone Ranger, you know, Snowden is fine. Uh, let's see, going down here. Like, Denial is fine. Bell is fine. The Debt and Unfinished Business. Black Knight, I don't really care for most of those. So, you know, he, he's a little bit more polarizing in the films he's been in than Durning has. Durning only had one bad film, which was by hard, in my opinion. Uh, or Whereas Wilkinson has three awful films with Unfinished Business, Smiley's Sense of Snow, and Black Knight. But I don't think he's ever the worst part of those movies. He is very good. He is always very good. And he almost... I gotta say, he almost reaches the point where I would be looking for him to be in a movie. He's he's very close. He's far closer than Durning in that sense. Uh, he he. Some of the films uh, that I haven't seen that he's in include Valkyrie, The Ghost Rider from 2010, uh, 2008's Rock and Rolla, 2003's Girl with a Pearl Earring, uh, In the Bedroom, which he was nominated for, 2016's The Choice. 2007's Cassandra's Dream, uh, The Ghost in the Darkness from 96, Duplicity, uh, The Importance of Being Earnest, among others. Again, a lot of movies here, scrolling through. But, I mean, there are some a handful of them where he is on the poster, he is one of the main characters, and he deserves that. He, is, he has earned his spot as someone who can really shoulder a film and carry it to its uh, finality. So I, I'm a big fan of Tom Wilkinson, definitely. And uh, I hope to see him here again next year. Uh, again, he's 79th overall. Top 100 is a great place to be. 26 films is a lot. Uh, a couple of the other good ones, My f a couple of my other favorites of his include Selma, Clay Michael Clayton, The Gruffalo, In the Name of the Father, Full Monty, Shakespeare in Love, Best Exotic Marigold Hotel. Those are my 11 favorites of his those are the other seven including the four i mentioned before that are rated 80 or more um with best exotic marigold hotel being the only suspect name on that list i would say uh, but it is only rated 80 not anything more than that so tom wilkinson number nine in february number 79 overall moving on to number eight and for the first time since doing these lists, I'm going to combine numbers 8 and 7 because for all intents and purposes, 
they are the same person. <laughs> so both born February 25th, 1986 uh, from the UK with each having eight film credits, an average film rating of 80.88, a value of 11, and a score of 75.70. Uh, tied at rank 74 overall are James and Oliver Phelps. James and Oliver Phelps, you may not know their names, but you would definitely recognize them as the Weasley twins in the Harry Potter franchise. They have only been in the eight Harry Potter movies that I've seen. They do have a couple of other credits on Letterboxd. I have not been able to watch any of their other movies. I intended to, to hopefully, uh, well, I, I'd hoped to kind of knock them off this list so I wouldn't have to condense things this way, but this is what we, uh, this is what's happened. Um, so yeah, they are in all eight Harry Potter movies. And just to show you my opinion on the Harry Potter movies, if you're in all of them, you're starting off from a pretty good spot. 74th overall is is really really strong and I'm I, I think that it's just uh, it's it's they're really good like they're actually great Fred and George Weasley they're fine actors you know they are kind of perfect for their roles as the Weasley brothers twins but clearly they neither of them has really uh, reached further success uh, there's two other film credits to James Phelps's Letterboxd, which is Patchwork, which came out in 2015, and Danny and the Human Zoo in 2015 as well. Whereas Oliver only has Danny and the Human Zoo, which they're both in. Uh, I Maybe they're not really pursuing acting. I don't know. Or they're just in TV or something along those lines. But... As far as I'm concerned, they have earned their spot on this spreadsheet because, you know, those are the Weasley twins are a tough, tough characters to play. You know, you have to be the obvious troublemakers, like the go to class clown sort of character. You also have to be, you have to have that sort of teasing big brother relationship with Ron, but also that sort of good-natured and and uh, committed big brother relationship that they kind of have with Harry, who is, which is, you know, which is striking, you know, especially when you see in um, Prisoner of Azkaban, when they're, like, you know, they share with him the Marauder's Map. And throughout the series, they don't always get the most to do, but, like, you see them you know, they leave the school, they have their own narrative, they get to open up their own shop in Hogsmeade, not Hogsmeade, uh, Diagon Alley, and then they're involved in the war, the war at Hogwarts, where, oh, I'm not going to get this right, where George, where George loses an ear, Fred loses an ear, they have a great relationship with their mom. The whole Weasley family just fits so well together. And, uh, in fact, we will meet another Weasley uh, going up this list, actually, which is fun. So, yeah, I mean, there's not a ton to talk about here because they've really only played one character. and they, But they played him really well. They played, they played them really well. So those numbers 7 and 8 tied for 74th overall. Uh, James and Oliver Phelps.
No relation to Michael Phelps, I do believe. Moving on to number six. Uh, born in Massachusetts on February 26th, 1905. Passing December 14th, 1964 at the age of 59. With 17 film credits at the moment. With an average film rating of 70.12. Film value of 13 and a score of 75.74, ranked 72nd, so just two spots ahead of the Phelps twins, is Burt Stevens. Right, you don't know who that is. Uh, <laughs> Burt Stevens is not really... Uh, well, here, here's an example of some of the roles he's played. Not the movies that he's been in, but some of the character names that he is credited as. Party Guest, Doc Extra, German Prisoner in Cafeteria, Ballet, ballet Audience Spectator, Courtroom Spectator, Speakeasy Patron, Party Guest, Extra, Fight Spectator, Police Detective, Nightclub Patron, Man at Fort Dance, Man in Church, Passenger, Party Guest, Doctor, Reporter, Military Officer on Street, Cook, Passerby, Reporter, Courtroom Extra, Businessman, etc., etc., etc. You get the kind of gist. He is an uh, 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 an extra. He is a background character. He may or may not have had ever have ever had a speaking line in any of the movies he's been in. Uh, according to the movie database, his first credit is in Mr. Deeds Goes to Town back in 1936, and the last credit is in The Prize in 1963. However, I added his credit in The Prize to the movie database as well as a handful of the other ones in here, including his roles in Midnight Lace and Calamity Jane, which I've seen recently. And he is, uh, you know, I would be lying if I told you I could pick him out in a movie or if I could, pick a, if I could pick him out in a lineup, I really couldn't. I never notice if he's in a movie until afterward or prior. Like, I couldn't tell you watching the movie if he was in it. But... That's not what this list is about. It's about who has been in the best movies born in February. And Burt Stevens is number six here. So a couple of the movies that he's been in. Uh, Citizen Kane, North by Northwest, Some Like It Hot, Rebel Without a Cause, Witness for the Prosecution, Judgment at Nuremberg, Mr. Deeds Goes to Town, You Can't Take It With You, the 1953 version of The War of the Worlds, 1956's Around the World in 80 Days, Gunfight at the OK Corral, Calamity Jane, Royal Wedding, the 1953 version of Titanic, uh, among others. So definitely some pretty prominent films, some good, great, in, and incredible films here. My favorite is definitely Judgment at Nuremberg. It is absolutely an incredible movie, and I highly recommend it to everyone, despite the fact that it's, I think three hours long if not longer a little more than three hours long uh, and to that point like Burt Stevens I wouldn't know where to look for him in that movie but that's uh, I don't know I, I'm working on that like I said I've watched in the last like two weeks or so I've seen um, I've watched Gunfight at the OK Corral and Calamity Jane and Royal Wedding and Titanic and The Prize so I've seen five movies with him in it uh, at least in the last few days and Midnight Lace Midnight Lace is the other one 
but ultimately, he's probably he's definitely his ranking has dropped from all those movies. But even still, you know, he's still top seventy-five actors all time. But as someone who's an extra, I kind of expect that number to eventually go down, uh, and that's kind of like I think that will kind of play itself out next year because not that like there aren't still probably good movies that he's in so some of those would be ace in the hole the lady eve uh, monsieur vadu by charles chaplin ball of fire inherit the wind like these aren't necessarily all bad movies um, they're probably some pretty good ones you know i've heard a lot of great things about ace in the hole and how bad can a charles chaplin movie be but that being said you look down there's a lot of you know, for someone who works as an extra, there's a lot of movies that aren't quite great, as it were. And I think it'll be interesting to really get into some of these smaller movies and see if that rating can really withstand uh, the test. Because the other element is he's only get credited 48, well, 49 times on Letterboxd, but there's actually probably another, like, 50 to 100 roles he's been in if you look on imdb so who knows like what other films are out there that he's been in i i don't even you know it could have barely scratched the surface so that's the kind of thing you have to like kind of deal with with these sort of extras from from the olden times and uh yeah bert stevens ranked 72nd overall number six in february he's uh He's great. He's great. Moving on to number five. Number five, born in New Jersey, February 17th, 1910. Passing uh, November 24th, 1955, at the age of 45. He did not, he died very, very early in his life. Currently only has, has seven film credits on my spreadsheet with an average film rating of 84.43, the highest average film rating of anyone in the top 10 this month. He has zero bad films, zero average films, and his lowest rated film is has a rating of 67. Uh, with a value of 10.5, he has a score of 76.17. Ranked 62nd overall, that is the late, great James Milliken. Yes, I don't know who this person is either. I'm sure you don't. Uh, James Milliken according to Letterboxd, was an American actor with over 200 film appearances, mostly in westerns. Uh, so one, that kind of explains the small film count. I haven't seen a ton of westerns, but that is something I'm working on. On the other hand, he's only given 72 credits on Letterboxd, and if he's been in over 200 movies, there's some missing data. Lots of missing data. So, uh, some of the movies I've seen him in, him in, including my favorite of all of them all, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, uh, you've got The Lost Weekend, His Girl Friday, You Can't Take It With You, High Noon, Mr. Deeds Goes to Town, and his worst film, which is still good, The Man from Laramie. A lot of movies. A lot of good movies. You know, great movies, even. And just like Burt Stevens, I couldn't pick him out of a lineup. Now, I, I hazard a guess, uh, you know, you look down, now, you know, I went down Burt Stevens' character names, 
There is a bit of a difference between Bert Stevens and James Milliken. Some of the character names he's played, Marshall Bat Davis, Walker, Jack Cranmer, Tom Quigby, Major General Rusty Castle, Detective Lieutenant George East, Marshal Harry McNair, Police Captain Lindsay, Renardi, Dan Marotti, Wyatt Earp, Fritz Warner, Luke Bowen, D Detective Matthew Quinn, clearly a much more prominent actor than Burt Stevens could have ever hoped to be. And while there are a handful of uncredited appearances looking throughout this list, the majority of them are named characters. So while I may not be able to pick him out of a lineup now, uh, there's definitely a strong possibility that I will be able to pick him out of a lineup eventually. <laughs> that is the goal. Uh, so some of the films he's been in that I haven't seen yet include Gregory Peck in The Gunfighter, Devil's Doorway, Scandal Sheet, Winchester 73 starring James Stewart, Only Angels Have Wings starring Cary Grant, Rawhide, A Chump at Oxford, Too Many Husbands, Springfield Rifle, I Died a Thousand Times, I Was a Communist for the FBI, and J Strategic Air Command. Um, I'm sure there's a m more prominent ones that I have, I may, may even have seen, actually, considering. Uh, but they're not credited on Letterboxd, uh, so that is where we leave things right now. James Milliken, ranked 62nd overall, 5th in February. Gotta see more of his movies. Moving on to number 4, Born in Italy, February 9th, 1893. Uh, the oldest born person who passed December 23rd, 1982, at the age of 89, with 17 film credits and an average film rating of 71.41, a value of 13, a score of 76.89, which ranks them 55th overall, and 4th in February, is Gino Corrado. Gino Corrado is probably a healthy mix between... Uh, I guess, a healthy mix between Burt Stevens and James Milliken. While it seems like James Milliken was predominantly pr playing roles where he actually was like speaking, where he was actually interacting with other characters in meaningful and important ways, uh, Burt Stevens probably didn't really do that at all. Gina Corrado falls somewhere in the middle of that. So he's definitely a very prolific, um, generally uncredited actor, but he does get a little bit more of a presence than Burt Stevens does. So a couple of the characters he's played, Prince, Principessa's Butler, Ambassador, Brush and Easel Waiter, Venetian Room Captain of Waiters, um, Andre, Head Waiter, Italian Singer, Man in Audience at Dracula Exhibit, Chip's Birthday Party Guest, Willie, hotel desk clerk, cafe bartender, chef in Italian restaurant, Paul, Pegasus Club, maitre d', um, cousin Easter. So, you know, a slightly higher level of prestige than Burt Stevens got, but not definitely nowhere near the level that James Milliken has. And Gina Carrado is like, I don't know, he he's, he's a prolific he's got 141 credits on letterboxd i'm sure there are a lot more beside beyond those i've added a handful in myself 
um, including The Strange Love of Martha Ivers, which I've seen recently, A Day at the Races, which I saw yesterday. Um, Three Coins in the Fountain I watched a month ago, two months ago, rather. Uh, to Each His Own I've seen fairly recently. So a lot of movies that he's been in that he uh, that I've seen lately, and they've definitely dropped his rating. So he's ranked 55. He used to be in the top 50 and was a mainstay in the top 50 for quite some time. Uh, riding on the back of his six films rated in the 90s, the highest among the top 10 in February, including Casablanca, his, my favorite of the films he's been in, Gone with the Wind, The Great Dictator, Rebecca, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, and Citizen Kane. A lot of movies, a lot of films that I think are fantastic, including Sunrise, A Song of Two Humans, The Grapes of Wrath is quite good, Harvey, uh, with James Stewart is very good. Um, I liked the Day of the Races. I thought that was enjoyable. It was really funny. Uh, so you know he has a strong, strong track record for sure. Some of the movies he's been in that I haven't seen include the 1932 version of Scarface, uh, 1916's Intolerance, Love's Struggle Throughout the Ages. Uh, 1936's Fury, Foreign Correspondent from 1940, The Killers from 1946, House of Frankenstein from 1944. I assume that is his role as like a wax figure that I mentioned. A Farewell to Arms from 1932. The Mask, or The Mark of Zorro from 1940. So a lot of movies that I, that he's still left to see in. Again, you know, over a hundred at least that I haven't seen. And I think the same to the same point of Milliken and Stevens, the more of their films I see, the f more I flesh out their filmographies, I think the more detrimental it's going to be to their overall rating. Because it's, it, as I've gone into it, and as I've been watching the, like a lot of older movies lately, it feels like there aren't quite as many like hidden gems from like the 40s, 50s, 60s, 30s, etc., as there are now. Uh, part of that is probably because where now we get like thousands and thousands of films a year. Back then we got like a few hundred. And so, you know, options were limited. And with the whole Western thing where we were making, where 50% of movies were like Westerns, you know, that's not great. So it, it isn't. it isn't that I don't think there won't be more good movies, it's just I think there will be an overwhelming number, relatively speaking, of bad movies going forward for these guys. But I'd love to be proved wrong. Obviously, I would prefer to watch good movies than bad ones, but you roll the dice, you take what you get. Uh, so that's number four in February, number 55 overall, Gino Corrado. Moving into the top three, we have broken into the top 50. This person, born in the UK, February 22nd, 1950. Uh, going to be turning 68 in about a week's time. With 19 film credits, an average film rating of 71.58, one Oscar nomination that I've seen, a value of 15.5, and a score of 80.26, ranked 35th overall quite high is julie walters who spoiler alert is the only female in this month's top 10 
And uh, she is Mama Weasley. Going back to the Weasley twins. So she's been in, um, according to Letterboxd, seven of the Harry Potter movies. So it's giving us credit for Philosopher's Stone, Chamber of Secrets, Prisoner of Azkaban. Not giving credit for her in Goblet of Fire. I don't know if that's true or not, but uh, they're not giving it to her. So it must be. And beyond that, she's been in a lot of other great movies. So 2015's Brooklyn, uh, Pixar's film Brave, both Paddington's. uh, Paddington 2, having just come out quite recently, is very, very good. She was in 2000's Elliot. She was in Mamma Mia. 2007's Becoming Jane. Uh, 1987's Prick Up Your Ears, uh, and and a lot of others. Um, she's got a lot of credits. 83 credits on Letterboxd. Uh, I've seen 19, about 23%. And yeah, uh, upcoming movies that she's going to be in. Uh, the Mamma Mia, Mamma Mia sequel, Mary Poppins Returns, starring Emily Blunt, and film stars Don't Die in Liverpool among others Um, yeah so I got it I mean nice to finally have someone who I can actually like point to a a movie that they've been in that I can recognize them from clearly most recognizable to me as Molly Weasley but uh, far more sort of given a lot more freedom and reign to kind of do whatever she wants in the Paddington movies where she plays the live-in, maybe not live-in, maid housekeeper of the family Paddington lives with. Um, she's given a very, uh, given like a bad girl attitude in Mama Mia and persona there. And, you know, she and her fellow British countrywomen in Calendar Girls uh, get to do a lot of fun stuff and and interesting things that you don't get to see often in from Julie Walters particularly but kind of similarly to you know James and Oliver Phelps I don't I think the fact that like I see her and I just think Molly Weasley overpowers a lot of her other performances. It's tough to break her from that mold. And maybe that'll happen in some up, some of the upcoming movies. It hasn't happened even with two Paddington movies. I still don't really see her as that character. She isn't given a lot to do in the Paddington movies. She's a very minor role, uh, despite the fact that she pretty much saves the day in the first Paddington spoilers but beyond that you know she's never been more charismatic more alive on screen than in the harry potter movies uh in my opinion i think she's just absolutely perfect as mrs weasley and yeah so i don't know there's not that much else there to talk about Uh, Her one Oscar nomination that I've seen is from Billy Elliot. I believe that's the only one. But uh, her her bio on Letterboxd doesn't exactly tell me whether or not that's the case. Uh, So yeah, Julie Walters, 
Number third in February, number 35th overall, the mother of the Weasley household. Moving on, number two, born in California, February 17th, 1981, with 34 film credits, the highest among everyone on this top 10 list, with an average film rating of 66 even, a value of 22, and a score of 84.33. Ranked 17th overall is Joseph Gordon Levitt. And so Joseph Gordon Levitt, this was probably potentially maybe going to be the longest one person I talk about, just uh, predicting. It's going to be tough. The top two are, are really prominent and, and incredible actors, each in their own right, each for very, very different films. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, I've kind of grown up with this guy. You know, he's been in so many pivotal movies that I've seen, including 10 Things I Hate About You, 500 Days of Summer, 5050 is a heartbreaking film. Brick is incredible. Uh, he, he's He's... You know, Premium Rush, I think, is a really good movie. He was the main character in Treasure Planet. Um, some of his lesser-known movies, like Hesher, Mysterious Skin, The Lookout, A River Runs Through It. Um, you know, he's the little kid in Angels in the Outfield. Uh, he's been in Uncertainty and Stop Loss. And he's kind of just always been around. And that's not even to mention his biggest movies like Looper, which I think is incredible. He's in Inception. He was he had a small cameo role in The Last Jedi. He's in Dark Knight Rises. He has a small role in Lincoln. He has a role in The Interview. Uh, you know, he directed and starred in Don John. He has a voice in the English uh, adapt version of The Wind Rises. There's a lot. It's a lot. It really is. And on top of that, he like he's been in Third Rock from the Sun, which he's fantastic in. Uh, he started like his own film production company called Hit Record, and uh, he's even made a TV show about it, which I think is splendid and very fun. He's an incredible performer. He can sing. He can dance. You know, he's been on Lip Sync Battle. He's done. Like I've like he he does great rendition of Thriller. Uh, it's I don't know he he's incredibly talented. He's incredibly young. He's only thirty seven this year, and there's really no limit to to where he can go next. For me, my money puts it makes his best film Looper, followed by Fifty Fifty, Five Hundred Days of Summer, and Inception. Now, I think his best performance comes from 50-50, in my opinion. Um, but he's also great in Brick. He's also great in, uh, you know, he's a great supporting character in Inception. He's great in 500 Days of Summer. He's not going to let you down. Uh, and uh, it, it's just, I, he's definitely the kind of actor that I get really excited about when I know that they're in a movie. So... Some of the movies I haven't seen him in include The Brothers Bloom, uh, H Halloween, H2O, Havoc, Miracle at St. Anna, The Juror, Latter Days, 
Women in Trouble, a lot of movies that probably aren't super recognizable just because uh, I've seen most of his big movies. I really have. Uh, Some of the movies that he has coming out, sorting by release date. Uh, The only movie on Letterboxd that is coming out is coming out this year called Sovereign, directed by Mark Munden. The only person attached to it is JGL. And the description is, in the wake of a fractured marriage, a man goes to find his wife and the entire crew of a space station who have gone missing. As he explores the ship, he discovers the truth about their disappearance and is forced to confront his own role in losing her. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm 100% in because of Joseph Gordon-Levitt, but I don't know if it'll be any good or not. Whew. Uh, that being said, like, as I mentioned, you know, he's basically just grown up with me. Uh, he's, he's, um, he, he's just kind of always been there, especially like I used to watch Third Rock from the Sun when I was little. And once I started tracking things on my spreadsheet, I like, I really delved deep into Joseph Gordon-Levitt. There's a reason why I've seen so many of his films, uh, cause I kind of was only trying to pick out the good ones. But there are definitely others that I, like, I definitely haven't seen some of the films that he's been in simply because of the fact that they're not super great, according to many people. But that's, I don't know, that's gonna, that'll change, that'll change, you know, he's probably doomed to drop in the rankings overall, but you know, looking like Havoc is his second to worst rated film on Letterboxd, Shadow Boxers, fourth to worst, The Jurors, sixth to worst, H2O, Holy Matrimony, and Miracle at St. Anna are all in the bottom ten for him. So there's a lot of movies left to see that he he's in that are not good. But and he even used to be in the top ten for quite some time. He's now dropped to seventeenth. And I I can't I don't know. He was in The Last Jedi. That kind of kept him afloat for a while. But the odds are not great, I don't think. So Letterboxd lists him having 58 film credits. I've seen 33 of them. So a little bit, almost 60%, about 57%. And uh, yeah, that's that's it. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. That's not as long as I thought it was going to be. But we now have to move on. Joseph Gordon-Levitt ranked second in February, 17th overall. We've got to move on to our number one this month. The final person in February, number one overall in February, the last number one across all the months that I've done this, born February 21st, 1946 in the UK, passing... January 14th in 2016 at the age of 69 with 24 film credits to their name an average film rating of 70.71 a value of 20 and a score of 85.27 ranked 14th overall also getting a lot of his value from the Harry Potter series is the late and incredible Alan Rickman what what can you really say about Alan Rickman? He's 
fantastic. He was absolutely an incredible actor. Whether he was playing the most impeccable depiction of Severus Snape that could have possibly been done. Whether he is in Die Hard, whether he's in Dogma, whether he's in Galaxy Quest, Hitchhiker's Guide, uh, Sense and Sensibility, Sweeney Todd, Love Actually, Alice in Wonderland. He, he's just, you cannot watch him perform and not get excited. He's really, truly one of the most unique and exciting actors I've ever watched. You know, I, to, you know, to say, to say that this is something that's been said many, many times, but like the Harry Potter movies are so incredibly well cast. Pretty much every single role is cast perfectly. And I don't think there's any better casting decision made in those movies than Alan Rickman as Snape. I remember reading the books before the movies had even come out. And I didn't like Snape. I was too—I was a little too young to kind of understand if he was a good guy or a bad guy. And, you know, before the movies came out, there were really only four books. So we didn't really know, as an audience, just where he fell on the spectrum between um, good and evil. And for someone like Rickman, for anyone really, to kind of step into that character and have to convey such a conflicted sense of morality and figure out how to make it so that he was able to, you know, spoilers, kill Dumbledore in book slash movie six and yet come away with sympathies for his death in Deathly Hallows is is just, it's such an incredible magic trick. I, I don't I wouldn't envy anyone having to do that, and he pulls it off with absolute brilliance. And that's after becoming the most one of the most recognizable villains of all time in Die Hard, and yet he's able to completely reinvent himself to play an absolutely new kind of villain in the Harry Potter series. And that's like that's only like scratching the surface. Uh, he was in Eye in the Sky uh, two, uh, in 20, 2015. Um, you know, he played the Caterpillar guy in the Alice in Wonderland movies, which, you know, whatever you think about those movies, like, he is fantastic as a voice actor in Hitchhiker's Guide in Alice in Wonderland in Looking Glass. He plays everything perfectly. He has the best deadpan voice, that deep baritone voice that just, knocks you dead it's truly truly special and i think it's it's absolutely one of a kind some of the movies that he's been in i haven't seen yet include perfume the story of a murderer from 2006 robin hood prince of thieves 91 a little chaos from 2014 uh michael collins from 96 truly madly deeply from 1990 Snow Cake from 2006, Bottle Shock from 2008, Lumiere and Company from 95, A Promise 2013, 
Um, Close My Eyes from 1991. And a lot more. Uh, that kind of passes through all the ones that I can say I really recognize. Uh, you know, he... I don't know. There... He's just, he's just, he's great. He's absolutely great. Alan Rickman. I'm so sad that we lost him when we did. I wish, I wish that he, he were still around. I wish that he was still making movies. You know, he was only uh, 69 when he passed. And that's, that's just too young. It just really is. And... Yeah, I, I hope against hope, and I am sure that this will inevitably happen, but I really hope that as I continue to watch more movies that he's in, I will continue to discover more films with just remarkable performances and, and defining performances that he gives. And I think that there's a strong likelihood of that happening. So, number one in February. Number 14 overall is Alan... Rickman. To run down the top 10 from February again, uh, we will start with number 10, Charles Durning. Number 9, Tom Wilkinson. Numbers 7 and 8, James and Oliver Phelps. Number 6, Burt Stevens. Number 5, James Milliken. Number 4, Gino Corrado. Number 3, Julie Walters. Number 2, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And number 1, the late Alan Rickman. I am... Man, uh, I don't know. It's just he's he's just. I don't know. What else can you really say? Whew. So, those are the top ten actors born in February on my spreadsheet at this moment. That will presumably change by next year, and we will see how things shake out twelve months from now. I am looking forward to March where we will finally see who can hold up and who can uh, continue to stay in a position of power on these lists. And I haven't, haven't actually looked at it. I, you know, it's always been so far away that I haven't felt the need to check to see if much has changed. But looking at March, as of this moment, uh, we have one, two, three, four... Five, man, six, seven, eight, nine, and ten. So, as of this moment, none of the people uh, from last year's top ten are in the exact same position. One person from last year's top ten has completely fallen off the list. And actually, multiple of them, actually. Three or four of them have fallen off the list completely as of right now. And it's going to be a struggle. Like It's, like, it's going to be fun. It'll be fun to see if I can see how, how these things change between now and, and next month when I finally record it. But there have been some pretty big changes. Uh, most of that happens to be because of the way the formulas and points work. So, for example, last year, the number one in March had a score of 117.71. 
Currently, the highest score in March is 77.33. So, grain of salt there, but we will see how that works out in a month's time. So, that being said, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you would like to get in touch with me, you want to share with me your top list of movies, no matter how big that list is, bigger the better, you can do that through email circleoffilm at gmail.com or on Twitter at circleoffilm. If you'd like to check out more episodes, you want to see past lists of the top 10 month-born actors, you want to check out the Circle of Film Awards, go to the website circleoffilm.com. If you'd like to support the show, you can do that at patreon.com slash circleoffilm. And as always, have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same I know she'll never leave me Even as she fades from view So long, farewell, I'll be to say that you In the name of love One night in the name of love So long, farewell, oh what I'll be to say Wait a minute Wait a minute Wait a minute So long